The worst thing that ever happened to me is I went uh, north past Manawaki, which was about as far north as I had ever been before, which is north of Ottawa. And I went into a Tim Hortons and my two friends who were with me and who are first language French ordered coffee and got the roll up the rim cups. (laughs) And then I ordered in my English accented French and they did not give me a roll up the rim cup. So, uh, yeah, it was really hurtful. (laughs) It's the worst because I've I spent 25 years there. (laughs) I grew up in Quebec. And welcome to another episode of Midlight Crisis, a real podcast hosted by three grown-up biologists revisiting books from our teens, and it's totally cool. I am one of your hosts, Sophie, but today I have a randomly generated, (laughs) sorry, I have a randomly generated (laughs) fantasy name that I had forgotten about until just now. (laughs) And my name for today is Wilbu Birdsword. Wow. Uh Yep. Will boo. Will boo bird sword. That like suits it. you a lot. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. It's wow. just a good name. No it's jokes. It's just a good name. Yeah. It's good. No jokes, no notes. Just a good name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm Sam, but uh, in Fantasy Land today, you can call me a Burial Space Shaker. Burial? Whoa. Oh boy. <laughs> I don't know if I said that right, because it has two I's in it. So it's B-A-R-I-I-E-L. So Bariel. Bariel Spaceshaker. Wow. Bariel. Yeah. Yeah. I like Bariel Spaceshaker. Spaceshaker is really good. Yeah. It's like similar to Poseidon being Earthshaker. But you're like (laughs) one level up. Hells yeah. But Neptune? Huh? Uh, 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 anyway podcast is done (laughs) (laughs) anyway i'm also here my name is hannah uh but for the purposes of today's podcast you can call me by my randomly generated fantasy name which is not in the slightest bit over dramatic my name is cast on death wings (laughs) whoa damn wow death wing is a wow character (laughs) is it is yeah. it actually? It's a big fiery dragon machine, man. Thing. Oh, yeah. I love all of that. Rad. Also a bad guy, I guess. Yeah, I said that's that. fine. It's okay. Cast I believe he got cast ones. down into the maelstrom, so um, you can keep the name. <laughs> Excellent. Was he cast <laughs> on Deathwings? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Hey. No one. <laughs> Death wings like cast on. What a good Disney movie that would be. Anyway, <laughs> spooky. Yeah. Speaking of death wings, um, <laughs> uh huh. I guess. No, no. Continue with the segue. Yeah. No, that was connect it. the dots. <laughs> yeah, uh, upon wings of death. Uh huh. <laughs> I guess. Uh, let's talk about the two chapters we read of Aragon this week, which has a dragon in it, which are kind of like <laughs> wings of death, if you think about it. If you think about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
we read <laughs> chapter 41 and 42. Uh, I guess I'll kick it off with chapter 41, which is Fighting Shadows. And I will preface this summary by saying I wrote this at 4 a.m. at Pearson Toronto Airport, so uh, bear with me. <laughs> As the chapter title suggests, Aragon fights through the shadows to escape with the aid of Murtaugh and Sephira. He starts off by freeing himself and threatening a guard with a very unique form of mm-hmm. torture, which we'll get into later. But then Murtaugh happens to stumble upon him and they make their way out, but not before saving the beautiful elf, which wow. the first thing Murtaugh says is, she's beautiful because <laughs> of course we must take time in the grand escape to mention yes. the beauty of a woman uh-huh. anyways Murtaugh has a plan uh with Saphir to get them out but does not realize that there is a shade involved who then promptly interrupts their escape attempts but Saphira comes in hot ripping the roof off uh, an arrow goes through the shade's head though it is undetermined whether he is actually dead or not from this and then our heroes escape on Saphira I don't think that's half bad for a 4 a.m. summary. So that's great. No, you did it. Yeah, Yeah, I did a thing. Yeah. Anyways, Hannah, do you want to tell us about the next one? I will. It's called (laughs) A Warrior and a Healer. And in it, Safira struggles to fly her three passengers the half mile to where the horses are waiting after having been shot with five arrows, (laughs) (laughs) one of which is still embedded in the muscle of her, quote, flying arm. Aragon heals these injuries, including pulling out the arrow and the carry-on with the elf still unconscious on Saphira's back. They ride through the night and finally stop at dawn because they all desperately need to sleep. They chat briefly about the situation with the Urgles and Galbatorix's ability to control the narrative around the Varden and the elves and make them seem like villains if he so chooses. Then they take the elf, who is still unconscious, off of Saphira and realize that she is grievously injured. Aragon sets about healing her, too, and he, quote, labors through dawn until, quote, the sun was well into the sky. Having not slept, they all get back on the road, and Aragon then falls asleep on Snowfire with Murtag leading the group. Wow. Wow. Even on a horse, Aragon's got to fall asleep at the end of the chapter. (laughs) I don't think we've had a single episode where Aragon doesn't fall asleep at the end of at least one chapter. Yeah, I don't think so. Which is honestly just buck wild and i really think there's only been like two chapters where he has not fallen asleep yeah there's yeah. not many <laughs> there's really not a lot no so aragon wakes up and he's like holy shit i can do magic and he unlock i am very proud of aragon for unlocking the door by using magic to just turn the lock rather than like blasting through the wall or something yeah. like that's so <laughs> mature of him and not yeah. something i expect he would have done like six chapters ago like really subtle. That's a good point. <laughs> Extremely subtle, yeah. And <laughs> and <in, in> Aragon terms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also like that he gets out of the cell and is like, "Oh my god, my magic is back. This is great. I'm going to magic out of the cell. I'm going to go find my dream girl and my cool sword and then I'm going to escape." And then after that he's like, "Oh, Safira." <laughs> and yeah. he finally remembers yeah. that his dragon exists. <laughs> It's cool, Aragon. Oh, oh my a, gosh. Such a boy. Just, yeah. yeah. Just such a boy. I get that he's weak from hunger and probably like drug hungover and excited to get his magic back. But the fact that his like soul bonded dragon is like the sixth thing on his mind is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also that she's not like screaming into his brain the minute she can yeah. reach him, you know? Like, like is Aragon the only one who can initiate contact? <laughs> 
I don't yeah, think right? so. Because didn't yeah. she like wake him up when Brom was convulsing by like yeah. yelling yeah. his head? Yeah. Yeah. So And she I mean, to his credit, I guess, she doesn't even seem to care because the first thing she says after he contacts her for presumably the first time in several days is, I am over Gilead, don't do anything, Murtag is on the way. (laughs) Not even like, oh, you're awake, you're alive, I can hear you. Just like, don't do anything. (laughs) Don't even think about it. (laughs) Stay where you are. Don't move. (laughs) Also, Uh, hi. (laughs) Also, hey, what's up? (laughs) Glad that you're okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're truly made for each other. It's nice that they both don't care, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because in this, right at the beginning of this, he says that his first use of magic had used all of his strength, but now mm-hmm. he's grown so much stronger that like unlocking the door or whatever he plans to do in the future like isn't going to exhaust him, he implies. Yes. You hear this a lot in like magical books where it's like, yeah, I practiced and now I'm stronger at magic, which like implies that there's like a physical thing yeah. in your body yeah, that is like your magic using muscles or whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. We also haven't gotten any content of Aragon practicing with magic basically since he did that. Like, the first action he was talking about was when he threw all of those Urgles and Bram yelled at him for ruining everything. But that was months ago by this point. Because it does mention that, like, Bram had been teaching him, right, the ancient tongue. So I just sort of assumed that that was practicing. Yeah. Because you'd have to, like, learn the language and see what it does kind of thing. Yes. Like, I I do acknowledge that there's an important aspect of, like, actually having the vocabulary to do magic more efficiently. Yeah. But other than him saying that he's he has been learning words and, like, practicing moving things around and whatnot, we haven't yet had a description of what practicing with magic entails. Like, is it just Aragon, like, sitting in a clearing, making a rock float over and over again? And, like... Like, does he just do it for longer every time? Does he use bigger rocks? Like, does he try using different words? Like, what? How do you train magic in this universe? Pellini, tell me. <laughs> tell me. Yeah, is it, is it sort of like, you know, if they encounter, like, a tree across the road, would Brahm have, like, made him move it with magic, you know? Yeah. Or yeah. is it more the case that, like, well, you can't use magic because Galvatorix might feel it or whatever? Yeah. You know? We just don't know. We just don't know. What we do know is that Aragon's so good at it now. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, he's fighting six soldiers with magic in the hallway. And then a mysterious bearded man <laughs> shows up <laughs> and also fights the soldiers from the other side. And surprise, surprise, it is Murtag wearing a fake beard, which yeah. they just have, I guess. <laughs> yep. Probably from when Aragon was having increasingly elaborate disguises as he was trying yeah. to like, sneak into all those prisons. Did they like accumulate a tickle trunk of costumes? <laughs> like- yeah, he and Brom were just like cutting their hair pretty regularly <laughs> to turn into like fake beards and mustaches. Ooh. Gross. <laughs> gross. Yeah, it's like kind of gross to think of. Also, like, how did they magic the hair into a beard? Just glue. Oh, I was thinking glue, yeah. Yeah, just glue. Spirit gum. They found that somewhere. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. Sap. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, it's funny that Aragon's like, wow, this mysterious, like, Saphira says Murtag is on the way. <laughs> and then Aragon's like, wow, this mysterious man who's incredibly good at shooting arrows. <laughs> it's yeah, like, who, who could, could it, it possibly be? be? <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. I mean, you know, I get so confused when my friends suddenly have beards. Yeah. It makes them impossible to recognize. Or like every time I put on my glasses or take them off, you're just like, wait, where did yeah, Sophie who's go? Who's this? <laughs> What's Superman? going on? <laughs> Is that Clark Kent? <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Clark it's Kent. It's just me. <laughs> uh, yes, this was fun. Because Aragorn's uh-huh. like, wow, it would be so silly of me to fight six people at the same time, and then Murtag shows up and fights six people at the same time. <laughs> I mean, Murtag is just far more competent than Aragon. <laughs> yeah. it's far more. Again, yep. another great main character. <laughs> have right? we, I forget, have we established they're the same age, or is Murtag older? Murtag is slightly older. Yeah. Okay, but not much, right? Like a, like a couple years, I think, yeah. Yeah, and then they go into this wild questioning with almost oh torture scene. Yeah, where, yeah. Aragon, Aragon threatens to like take a grain of sand or like a small rock and turn it hot for twenty years uh-huh. <laughs> and embed it in this guy's stomach so that it slowly burns its way down to the ground through his body. <laughs> like what the hell? Wild. <laughs> where did One, he even get that? Idea? How did he even think of that? Yeah, yeah. like how. Like that's just a, that sounds like the way when I was reading it, I'm like, this is something out of like some psychotic villain's head. Like that's like right? a whole kind of torture that like a 16 year old boy should not be able to yeah. think of. Yeah, like, it's not like he has the internet. Like, right? Are people in Carvajal telling like gruesome torture stories, or did Aragon literally come up with this excruciating slow torture right? on his own? Like that's concerning. It's quite disturbing. I bet it's Brom's fault. Probably Brom's fault. Yeah, if you ever need to threaten someone with torture, threaten to put a scalding grain of sand in their stomach for twenty years. Like, (laughs) yeah. Oh my god. But like, really intense. What would be the perfect temperature for a (laughs) grain of salt to be in a stomach that it wouldn't burn through the stomach lining until twenty years? Like, this is what got my brain thinking. See, I think the point was that it would take 20 years to get from stomach to bottom of foot. Yeah. Yeah, but that's my point. Like, what would the temperature be? (laughs) Yeah, 20 years is a long time. (laughs) 20 years is a long time. I mean, maybe he would use magic to, like, set a timer. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, maybe. He'd have to say, like, a whole paragraph. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Especially because his vocabulary is still pretty limited. He'd have to, like equivocate a lot and define yeah. what he's saying yeah but like as soon as it like pierced through the stomach like that would kill the person you wouldn't even be able to like get it through the the foot because then acid would start leaking out of the stomach and then you'd go into sepsis wouldn't you i mean i don't know that you'd go into sepsis because it would yeah. cauterize you know mm. but you think it would th- that but fast? it would create an ulcer isn't that what an ulcer is when you have like a hole in your stomach or is it just a pit in your stomach but like literally it's like a bleeding sore like a a, a canker sore in your stomach right yeah it's terrible like i think it would make a hole 
and then the edges would be cauterized. But that, the, the stomach contents the would stomach still contents leak into would the body still... cavity. Yeah, yeah, which is a problem. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think it would be like infection though. But something would certainly kill you. Something would happen. <laughs> well, <laughs> something bad would happen for sure. I've read enough books where it's like a stomach wound is like the worst wound to get as far as like non-fatal right away, like non-instant, because like if it goes in your stomach, like the acid leaking into your body is like apparently excruciating. And like back in those times without healing, like there's no way to save a person with that kind of wound. But I guess if it's just the size of a grain of salt, it wouldn't be that bad, but yeah, I think I the issue is more if it pierces your like intestine, mm. because then yeah. the idea is that your intestine has like obviously like fecal matter in it, and then yeah. if that gets into a wound, you're like guaranteed infection. So yeah, like, yeah. intestinal, like because people get what are those where it doesn't close over? Fistula. Fistula. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, like, you can get a fistula, which is to the outside, I guess. Yeah. I don't think it has to be. I don't think it has to be, I guess. That's I weird. I don't know enough about... None of us are... None of us biologists. know anything about humans. <laughs> no. I just... Um, anyway. I just think, yeah, I was just like, I guess if it's a grain of salt, really not that big a deal. But if it was, like, the size of a rock, and then that you left, like, a rock-sized hole in your stomach... I don't yeah. think that would end well. <laughs> no. Yeah, he starts the threat with a grain of sand, and then he picks up a rock and is like, this'll do. It'll just <laughs> go faster and hurt more. And the guard is like, like oh, what God. the fuck? <laughs> like, oh, no. It's like, <laughs> no. seriously disturbing how he came up with this. Oh my God. Like, psychotic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what? Exceptionally unpleasant. I I thought my like 3 a.m. brain or whatever was like misreading it. I literally had to read it like four <laughs> times because I was like, th- like this can't be right. <laughs> nope, it's correct. It's right. It's what happened. It's what happened. Yeah, yep. a wild time. I mean, it worked. He got information out of the guy and didn't put a piece yeah. of sand <laughs> in his uh, guts. Yep. So that's yeah. good. Yep. Yeah. And then there's, like, tonal whiplash, where we have this, again, incredibly gruesome torture threat to Murtag and Aragon trying to escape together with the, like, how are we going to get out of this without being noticed? We're not dialogue exchange. And then Aragon (laughs) hiding under a table and, like, running across the room to steal some bread and beer from a different table and going back to, like, have some snacks under the table while Murtag is in another room getting his weapon. Like, Like, (laughs) it goes straight from... Yeah. Thriller to comedy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's true. It was rather uh, amusing. I also like how it was like he drank two glasses of beer and that's what like quenched his thirst. And I was just yeah, like, right? I'm I okay. I get that it probably felt good at first, yeah. but turn it definitely into not the there. liquid that you needed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know, right? It's like uh the best thing for when you're dehydrated. Beer. beer. I mean <laughs> obviously. Isn't olden times, isn't everything ale? Yeah. That's a good point, because all the water will yeah. kill you if you don't ferment it first. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, fair point. <laughs> Still, though, like, what Still. the hell? <laughs> a very important moment. Yes. Right before that happens. I guess Aragon didn't want to leave. Murtag had to go get all the all of his stuff because Aragon was like, nah, I found this hot lady. Yeah. I'm so <laughs> oh, my <here."> God. <laughs> uh-huh. She... 
I'm not going anywhere without her. No. But a funny thing is that she like collapses when they break her out. Yeah, she doesn't even get a line. She just passes yeah, out instantly. She just, yeah, passes out immediately. Probably being like, wow, Aragon, he's so hot. And then she oh passes out. Yeah. But she smells like freshly crushed pine needles. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> what the hell? Which I'm guessing is like an elf thing. Yeah. You know, they're all foresty. They live there. You know, elves. Yeah. Um, but I did want to look up what made the pine smell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just to see what's up with that. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, so pine, the smell of like pine sap, I guess, is from like a terpene, which I think we've talked about in an episode before. And I don't remember why, but terpenes cool. are like a, I guess, just like a chemical compound made by most plants, like pretty much any plant smell is a terpene okay and they're used in chemical dissuasion dissuasion is that a word i think so i think so okay (laughs) insect repellent basically and pinene oh yeah it's called pinene which is so original is Is the specific (laughs) one for pine trees (laughs) Um, at least it's easy to remember at least it's easy yeah pinene yeah is specifically thought to be used in as insect repellent and i just think that's fun that like an elf that might probably lives in like a very insect heavy area would produce something that repels insects you know? That's a great I mean, example of good biology, I would say. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. You th- do we think this was an intentional or an accidental no. one? No. I don't care. Okay. I just like that it's true. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I feel like this is in the same category as a lot of our Twilight stuff, where it was actually yeah. extremely good, but probably yeah. by accident. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah and I... I and I think like, cause I think squalene is a terpene or a triterpene. I don't know what the difference is. So Isn't squalene from sharks. Exactly. So like animals okay. can produce terpenes. Okay. As well. I was like, what? <laughs> so it doesn't mean that she like evolved from a tree is what I'm saying. That's good. <laughs> That's not what I was taking away yeah. from that, but I'm glad you clarified. Yeah. Yes. Wouldn't the it be fun if, like... line for elves is trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, very Orson Scott card speaker for the dead. Uh, yeah, they. Uh, it would be. Wouldn't it? It would also be fun if, like, they sort of like poison dart frogs if they just like ate pine trees or oh. whatever, <laughs> and like use the terpene themselves. You know. Oh, they, like, so do you think the elves create their own terpene, or is it a consequence of their diet, like the right? frogs? Great yeah. question. If yeah. only Christopher Paolini could answer it for us. Well, um, I'm guessing because she seems like she's been in captivity for a while, she's probably producing it herself. Ooh, that's a good point. That's a great point. I like that yeah. argument. Yeah. Because yeah. I can't imagine the Empire is feeding her like elf trees. She's probably also getting whole onions. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, whole onions covered in Ambien. Yeah, which I will refuse to get over still. (laughs) So many days later. Although I did tell my friend today, again, because I'm not over it, I was ranting at her about the stupid prison meal of bread, cheese, and an onion. And she was like, oh, it's just a deconstructed sandwich. And that kind of tipped things on their head for me. (laughs) I was like, oh, well, when you put it that way. (laughs) 
rude. <laughs> <laughs> How dare. How dare, yep. honestly. Yeah, no, I like that argument because, yeah, they're probably not just being like, here, we brought you the branch of a pine tree, your natural <laughs> food source. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we can add that to our short list of elf biology so far. They live yeah. a long time. They've pointed oh, years. Yeah. <laughs> they produce pining. Yeah. I'm assuming whatever we said about vampires living forever is how elves live forever. Yeah. Something, something telomeres. Something like that. Something, something. Telomeres. Yeah. Uh-huh. Maybe they're evolved from lobsters. <laughs> yeah. That makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> wow, she was beautiful. Her big claws were just so <laughs> stunning. <laughs> okay, well, when you mentioned the pinene, it made me think of one of my favorite organic chemicals. Uh-huh. Chemicals? Molecules? Which is... Uh, crustocyanin oh which is the uh, it's a protein but it's the protein that makes crustaceans blue whoa crustocyanin it's right there yeah. in the name <laughs> yeah it's just right there uh i love when anyway. it's just the word <laughs> oh my gosh it's my favorite <laughs> what's the terpene in pine trees it's pinene, pinene <laughs> don't worry obviously. we got yeah. it Anyway, so Saphira is somehow involved in this escape attempt that Murtag has devised because he keeps asking Aragon to talk to Saphira for him. And then my favorite like comedy moment of these two chapters is Murtag trying to like reassure Aragon, like, no, 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 there's a plan, like we're gonna sit tight and Saphira will come to us. And Aragon says, You don't understand, there's a shade here. If you find us, we're doomed. And then there's some more dialogue, and Murtag says, Let's just hope the shade doesn't find us. And the shade says, I'm afraid it's far too late for that. And I was like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> <shit."> <laughs> love that. Love that. <laughs> Always such a good scene where they're like, we, we have to make sure so-and-so doesn't find us. And then so-and-so is right there listening. Oh. Immediately there. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. This, that specific part, I was reading it and I realized that I was like, Man, I'm like actually just reading this chapter. <laughs> like, I really like I'm like just having chapter. a good time with this chapter. <laughs> I've read it four times. Granted, partially that's because we kept moving our recording time. <laughs> yes. Uh, but still, I read it four times and I enjoyed it every time. So, yeah, it's a good chapter. It is a good chapter. The shade has appeared. And he has a pale sword with a thin scratch on the blade that is specifically pointed out for some reason. Yeah. And he has a body like a runner's, which to me is an interesting observation because it implies that like running is like a recreational activity. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Interesting. I, mean, I would assume that there's like sports competitions or something. There, yeah, I guess I, there must like, be. Like, I feel like... Even if it's just in fantasy land, competition in sports is such a big part of human culture. I think it'd be like fair to assume any fantasy land would have some sort of athletic thing to yeah. it. And running is like a pretty obvious one. But yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, I think it stands out to me partially because I don't enjoy or give a single shit about athletics. So <laughs> when it came up, I was like, oh weird there's athletics in this fantasy but like you said that it does make sense well in a lot of fantasy or like similar medieval period 
fantasy specifically, I guess. Mm-hmm. Runners are like message runners. Yeah. You know, do, like, they, yes, do they literally like, run? Runner to the yeah. castle yeah. or something, you know? And so maybe it's like a message runner instead of like a athletics thing because they would yeah, be running all over a city, you know? But then that's true. Again, how would Aragon know what like a city message runner looks like? <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, he read it in a book after he learned how to read in Tyrim, probably. <laughs> yeah, he saw one in Tyrim. He saw one guy, and he was like, okay, well, now I know. <laughs> now I know what a runner looks like. <laughs> yeah, this is what runners always look like. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was my cat. I was like, what is Yeah, that? I heard that. <laughs> you heard the jingle bell. The little jingle. <laughs> my cat has a jingle bell on her. Oh. Anyway, yeah, I like it better thinking that, like, people just run for fun in this <laughs> medieval time period where food is scarce and <laughs> yeah right yeah they have to do all of their work it's all like physical work yeah to get food and yeah. some guys like let me just go for a jog <laughs> you know what is even funnier thinking that the shade does this like, <laughs> he's like well i have to go murder aragon but first gonna go for my morning jog puts on his little sweatband jogs around just gotta squeeze in a tight 5k first (laughs) Uh, even better puts puts on his jordans goes goes for a run his airpods Uh, his magical pods no that's that oh no for sure for sure that once again, anyway. I'm pleased by how practical Aragon is being here. They like encounter the shade, and Aragon's like, "Well, I can't hold him off for very long, but he can't kill me. So, Murtag, you go figure out a way out of this, and I'll just, as long as possible, try to hold this guy off, even though I know <laughs> I can't win." And I was like, "That's very mature of you." Yeah. Wow, your 16th birthday like made a real change. <laughs> Big changes. <laughs> I mean, he keeps going a little bit back and forth between immature and mature, yeah. but I will give him. He's made some smart decisions this chapter. Yeah, yeah I feel like he, he is certainly oscillating, but he's like moving towards maturity. He's like, growing up! Self, which is good. Aww. Yeah. It's like actual visible character development, which yep. I, it should not be surprising in the book, but apparently <laughs> my expectations are on the floor. Are low. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> he really took to heart when Brom was like, "You are an idiot." <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's like, "I must not anymore." <laughs> uh huh. He also took to heart when Brom told him, "You will die if you fight a shade," because Aragon goes to fight the shade, and he's like, "Man, I'm gonna die." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of wild that, like, you know, Brom is a dragon rider who defeated Zarok, or not Zarok, that's the sword name. What's yeah, the guy's Morzan. name? Morzan. Morzan, yeah. yeah. And, like, Aragorn was able to beat him, but somehow the Shade is, like, not even finding it difficult. Like, yeah. it says the Shade is playing with him. Yeah. That's kind of wild. <laughs> I mean, Brahm, I assume, was not at, like, the height of his powers anymore. Like, his, he was super yeah. old, his dragon was dead. Yeah. He's probably there. not in his prime anymore, but still, Average. like, this shade is extremely good compared yeah. to what did Aragon says he trained with a master of the blade, comma, Brahm, as if we've forgotten. And right. also with Murtig, <laughs> who was a deadly swordsman. So he, like, 
lays it on pretty thick that like Aragon has trained with the best sword fighters in the land, but it's yeah, still yeah, yeah. not enough to even give him a fighting chance against the Shade. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. I guess that's fair because the Shade is a Twilight vampire. So that's true. Yep, <laughs> uh, he's inhumanly fast and strong. Yeah, Twilight vampires can punch the moon out of the sky. So. <laughs> that's true, and count all of the bugs. Yep. <laughs> I don't know why that's the thing that I remembered. Um. <laughs> you can identify a fish by its splash. <laughs> oh my god! I a really useful that. skill <laughs> fighting a dragon rider. Anyway, it seems like in this universe, though, like the shades are very rare. Like it doesn't seem yeah. like people really know how to fight them because they're pretty rare. Yeah. Yeah, and Aragon's also like severely weakened from being yeah from having a concussion, being drugged, and then starving and dehydrating himself for yeah. days, and then further That's dehydrating right. himself with beer. But yeah, by drinking beer. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, classic. classic. Also, hey Sophie, uh-huh. uh, did you notice the swear that Aragon uses in this fight against the Shade? Oh no! Does he Hellfire? Oh no! Hellfire. <laughs> Does thus, implying, thus implying the existence of hell? Uh-huh. <laughs> it was one thing when it was hell grind. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't two L's though. Yeah, no, this is this hell is grind hell. is implication. This is explicit. This is explicit. Hellfire. Oh my god. Hellfire. The fires of hell. Cat, you have to stop jingling your bell. Um, Aww. <laughs> she said Chotaro is our fourth host. Yeah, today she's joined us. Yeah, that's... I didn't even notice that, but now I'm mad about it. (laughs) I would not have noticed it if I didn't think it was so funny that you get mad at all of the, like, vague religious references. So hell exists. Hell exists. (laughs) Uh, But there's no, like... (laughs) Okay, no, it's fine. It's fine. Fine. We can move on. Yep. We're gonna get to a town and there's gonna be a church and I'm gonna be like, f***ing what? (laughs) To whomst? <laughs> to whomst is this church? Wait, whomst? wasn't there already a cathedral? Yeah, yes. that was for a specific... It was okay. for a specific mountain. The okay. mountain religion. The hell okay, I was like, did I forget Folks. something? No. <laughs> <sighs> there was also, right after that, there was a pr- another pretty sick tropey moment where it's yeah. like, the shade being like, you can never defeat me. I'm disappointed that this is your best. And then Aragon's like, well, you've forgotten one thing. Wait, and wait, wait. no, like, you skipped you skip the I'm important sorry, part of that taunt. He oh, says, if it? the other riders were this weak, they must have controlled the empire only through sheer numbers. Which is Oh, just yeah. <laughs> so rude. And Aragon's like, well, you forgot one thing. And it's like, what might that be? And he's like, the dragons, right? As Saphira rips the roof off. Oh my God, uh, so, good. so good. It was very good timing. I love it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Yep. No, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, amazing. <sighs> Again, I genuinely enjoyed this chapter. There are so many good moments in this chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Including the part where Murtig shoots the shade a couple of times. The second time <laughs> directly between his eyes and the shade held with agony and writhed covering his face. His skin turned gray, mist formed in the air around him, obscuring his figure. Then there was a shattering cry, then the cloud vanished. Which is like, whoa. whoa. The shade vanished, like he either died or like disapparated or something. Yeah. And then 
the first time I read this, actually the first three times, I was like so impressed by like, wow, this is such a cool visual. But then the next line is where the shade had been, nothing was left but his cape and a pile of clothes, which means that if the shade is not dead, yeah, as Murtex like Murtex says, he's not sure if the if the shade is dead, so he just like teleport like rematerialized somewhere naked. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Classic. Like Like, imagine you're just some peasant like working in your field, and there's like. A flash and like a puff of brimstone and a naked vampire appears in your field. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be like, "Mm, the smell of hellfire. Um, Hellfire. The creature from hell has arrived. (laughs) What's so funny? Like, he clearly takes his sword with him because a second before he's holding it and then he disappears and all that's left behind is a cape and a pile of clothes. So it's like, he's naked but still has his sword? (laughs) Why? Like, how does that work? Maybe the sword is like physically part of his body, like an extension of himself. Maybe he's not. Maybe, maybe they call him a shade because he's like a shadow creature and he's like some possessing some guy and also the sword. It's a cursed sword, a real cursed sword, a cursed sword. Yeah, how do you curse a real sword though? Referencing one specific moment of a different podcast. <laughs> uh, yep. uh, the, you forgot to mention. Oh my god, cat, stop. Um, you forgot to mention a very. This specific moment also had okay. a sick line drop, which was Murtag shooting the shade and the shade being like, <laughs> You're going to have to do better than that if you want to stop me. And then Murtag shoots him directly between the eyes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so good. So good. I don't know why this chapter is like so good. Yeah. <laughs> but it's amazing. He did such a good job. <laughs> yeah, is Christopher Pauly secretly just like amazing at fight choreography and sick one-liners? Well, we no, because his fight choreography <laughs> also included Aragon being punched off a horse and wagons falling over. <laughs> yeah, falling out oh, from yeah, behind buildings somehow. <laughs> You know, maybe he wrote this scene first and then had to build yeah. up to it, and he just like edited mm-hmm. it so like many times, times. Yeah, which yeah. is what I would do, honestly. <laughs> we'll have to see, but maybe he's good at the singular big enemy versus you know like one on one fights. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's where yeah. we're going. Anyway, that might yeah, be just skill. like a whole page of great back and forths. Oh my gosh, so good, so good. Yeah. And should we talk about Safira ripping off the roof with her talons? Yeah. That's what the oh, serrations are that's for. What, yeah. That's, that's just oh, well, okay. <laughs> I was like, are the talons the front serrated claws or are they her back claws? Because usually talons are for grabbing, right? Yeah. I feel like talon is a very specific word choice, but maybe I'm overthinking it. I think talons are like. I think it's what they're made out of. Oh. I mean, you're the bird nerd. I was going to say, I tried to Google Talon, and it was like, do you mean Talon in League of Legends, or do you mean Talon in Overwatch? (laughs) And I was like, none of those. (laughs) No. You need Talon disambiguation anatomy. (laughs) I think a Talon is like birds only. Yeah. Because lizards have claws. Lizards have claws. This might be totally incorrect because, again, not hugely a bird person, 
but I associate the phrase talon with specifically the like grasping claws that birds of prey have. Yeah, I think that's true because I think like dinosaurs still have claws, but I think the one hooked claw on a dromaeosaur might be a talon. And is a dromaeosaur like a velociraptor? That yeah. kind of hooked claw? Dromaeosaur? How do you? I don't even know. Dromaeosaur? Listen, I read it a lot. Uh, <laughs> let's. Oh, it's a sickle claw. Never mind. Oh. Yeah, sure. so I think a uh, raptor is in a bird of prey. I think they yes. have talons. I don't yes. think. I think everything else is a claw, but I don't think it has anything to do with the structure otherwise. Okay. So a dragon could have a talon. <laughs> yeah, does that mean Sephira's feet are shaped like bird of prey feet? Yeah, I guess so. Like maybe her claws, wasn't it that she wouldn't be able to pick up and hold anything? Yeah. Isn't there something about yeah. that? Yeah. There and was probably something why she that. can't walk really well. She, I guess she probably has really long curved claws. It must be, right? Yeah. Which, like, at least is consistent with those points that we've established so far. Yeah. But it is an interesting addition to her physiology. Yeah. Imagining her feet like that. Because that implies that she hunts with her feet, right? Because yeah, birds of prey, some of them do use their beaks as well to, like, help. But primarily their method of hunting is to, like, hit with the feet and dig in with the claws. So that sort of implies whatever Safira's prey is, is like uh-huh. <laughs> claw-based. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's kind of consistent, again, with something we talked about before, which was that the four limbs, as in F-O-R-E limbs, her front yeah. legs, are the ones that were magicked on. If she was like yeah. initially basically like a wyvern with back legs oh, and yeah. wings. Yeah. Because if you're going to be like a gigantic bird of prey raptor style predator oh true that makes sense yeah that does make sense and then they probably would make the front ones also long and curved and serrated and serrated (laughs) yes since they're for the fighting yeah so no wonder she can't walk that would be so awkward man imagine if you were like the elves and you showed up (sighs) and you're like we're gonna war with these dragons that have back legs and wings they can't uh-huh. hurt us and then you just show up one day to war and they have like a whole new <laughs> set of limbs that they used to punch you With to death built-in <laughs> knives like yeah <laughs> they have new knife hands <laughs> <laughs> they have knife hands they can grab you they can cut you in half yeah Thanks. in addition to their claws their teeth presumably their fire and their gigantic muscular bones yeah. Muscular bones? Muscular bones. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know how bones work with muscles. Um. Yeah. And Safira just like murdered a bunch of guys. Yeah. <laughs> to get there. Yeah. Again, an amazing line. Yeah. <laughs> Aragon says, I heard fighting on the roof. Are there men up there? And Safira says, there were, but no more. Damn. Like, so good. <laughs> The dialogue in this chapter is so good. <laughs> yeah. Another interesting thing at this part is Safira like takes off with the three of them on her back. She propels herself over the side with her powerful legs. And this reminded me <laughs> of, of the how... rescuers. <laughs> of the rescuers. No. <laughs> uh, now it does. 
but how people like think the really big pterosaurs took off. Okay. Because like if you've watched Prehistoric Planet, <laughs> I have. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's like the as darkid pterosaurs are some of them are like giraffe sized, but they probably could still fly. And one of the big questions is, like, how did they get off the ground? And they show, like, a really clear, the one of the most, I guess, well-known or thought of, the most believed way that they <laughs> probably take <laughs> off is they essentially, like, pole vault off of their wings. Oh, whoa. So, like, they, they'll, like, kind of lift their back legs first to, like, kick, and then they continue the kick off of their front limbs which are their wings and then they start flapping yeah (laughs) that's really cool yeah right (laughs) so i sort of the way it's talked about here is like safira propelled them over it with her powerful legs which sort Mm -hmm. of makes me think that she like kicks off yeah you know in a similar way like her back legs probably push first and then her front legs and then her wings go you know yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Just a fun, dino- I guess not dinosaur fact. Wow. <laughs> Delete me off the internet. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. No! <laughs> <laughs> so pterosaurs or whatever are dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> no. I was imagining okay. it like the albatross that I referenced a moment yeah. ago, which are incredibly <laughs> clumsy on land and have to like run to get their speed up before they can take flight, which is hilarious. Oh my god. Or it was either like that or you know how um when a rabbit is really excited they'll just be sitting there and then they'll like jump straight up in the air and just like <laughs> bam and then like take off. Yeah. I was also kind of imagining that. Like she just like <laughs> popcorns up into the air and then is flying away and then is gone. So your idea is much more realistic. Sure. But mine have better cartoon value. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like who's really winning here? <laughs> Who really won? Okay, but speaking of giraffes and flying things <laughs> the size of giraffes, sure. I yeah. have a really good segue um, into something that we talked about last episode that I didn't have time to get into that time, but I really want to talk about it now, which okay. is that I did math <laughs> to figure out how big Zafira is oh my God. based on a line in our previous episode. I know I'm like going back into chapters that weren't this one but I'm too delighted to not do it. How the tables have turned. I know, right? (laughs) It is I doing the math now. Not Sophie who did it before and not Sam who actually has a math degree, but me, the idiot (laughs) who can't do math. Um, (laughs) So in one of the previous chapters, Aragon mentions that at six months, Saphira's exposed fang is as big around as his fist. Okay. And we do happen to have a visual reference of Saphira on the cover of the book. So I used the measurement of the diameter of my own fist, the drawing of Saphira on the front of the book, and a couple of assumptions and uh, comparisons to come up with what may be a reasonable size for Saphira, except it contradicts with some of what is said in this chapter, because in this one she can fit into a building, and that does not seem correct. Okay. So I assumed that Aragon's fist is about the same diameter around as mine and that Safira's the picture of Safira on the 
cover of the book is more or less proportionate to what she is actually. Yeah. And then I assumed that her overall like quadruped body proportions are similar to a horse. And then her like wing and body proportions are similar to Yichi, the dinosaur with wings. Oh my god, exciting. So based on the length of <laughs> the length of her <laughs> fang on the cover compared to the size of her head, and then using that in proportion to a horse's body size, Safira is probably at the shoulder about three point or thirteen point six meters tall. I was gonna say is, three. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, no, meters. I misspoke. 13.6 meters. Okay. Which seems big. Do you want to know some things that are about 13.6 meters? Yeah, I, I would do. love to. For example, a brachiosaurus, 2.5 okay. giraffes, or a four-story building. <laughs> 2.5 giraffes. <laughs> 2.5 giraffes. So, Safira at the shoulder... According to this one very throwaway line and the math I spent an hour doing at midnight a month ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the shoulder, Safira is the size of a four-story building. I'd buy it. Then I calculated her wingspan based on the Ichi proportions. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and if Safira is 13.6 meters tall at the shoulder, her wingspan is about 68 meters. Holy shit. You know shoot. what? <laughs> Tell us you know what, what else is 68 meters? meters? Yeah. It is slightly longer than the Leaning Tower of Pisa and approximately the same wingspan as a Boeing 747 jumbo jet. <laughs> and, you can, and you can fit more than three people in a Boeing. You can oh, yes. fit more than three people in a jumbo jet. Wow. So. This That's makes me fun. feel better that they just abandoned an unconscious woman on her back because I was like, is she like big enough to stay up there without falling off and i i guess yeah. so yes apparently according to my admittedly kind of shifty math safira is f***ing huge I dang mean, it does make it like a little more suspicious that she struggles so much to carry three people but again she is injured i was gonna say she had quite a few holes in her wings yeah also like it could be that she is not hollow boned you know so it could be that her size is most of the weight that she can carry (laughs) yes yeah we did discover in the previous chapters that she does not have hollow bones because of the description of like how solid and thick they are (laughs) yeah so solid bones big big dragon well, I mean, it would make sense that she needs wings the size of a Boeing 737 then. like Yeah, no kidding, eh? Like, how else would she get off the ground? <laughs> That's bigger than the uh, largest ever land mammal by quite a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what my first thought was? Is that her wingspan is longer than the deepest limits of recreational diving. <laughs> Jeez. That's, that's where my head went. That's- that's deep. That's so right? deep. That's, That's so, so big. deep. Yeah. Oh like, my god. It's her what 40, 50 meters, I think, is 130 feet. Her wingspan is larger than how far I can go underwater. Is basically <laughs> the comparison I was gonna make. <laughs> that is nuts. Wild. So that is not really compatible with how she's described like interacting with the world in this book but it is consistent with the definitive measurement that aragon has described and the cover art that they chose for this book maybe her fangs are just 
much, much bigger <laughs> than they are on the cover. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't shock me that a 15-year-old boy would make his dragons ginormous, but I also ginormous. feel like he probably didn't put that much thought into it, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, in this chapter, Saphir jumps into the banquet hall, which if she was the size of a four-story building, she would not be able to do. <laughs> Yeah. However, I choose to believe that Saphira is the size of 2.5 giraffes with the wingspan of a jumbo jet. Because it's yeah. better. <laughs> Just to go back to my pterosaur similarity. Uh-huh. As darkened pterosaurs, their heads are like absolutely gigantic. Okay, yeah. yeah those are the when ones compared that, to like their bodies. Compass, right? Like a pencil compass. What? What? Like, they're basically... <laughs> Never mind. Carry on. <laughs> they look like a pencil compass. You know when you have like <laughs> a compass, oh, not like a compass from a, a geometry set yeah. that you use to like measure distances, and oh, it's just like two, oh. two, two points that touch the the ground, and the whole like front is the same size as the whole back. It's like their whole head is the same size as the whole rest That's of their body. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> no, I had to pull up pictures of them to be like. How? What? (laughs) No, no, it's a a really good comparison, and we should definitely not talk anymore about it because it will hold up to scrutiny. Sure, okay, yeah. (laughs) No, like, so, something like Hatsogopteryx, the head alone is, like, bigger than the body. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. Like a baby. Which is just kind of bonkers. Oh, I just googled it. That thing looks fake. Yeah. Right? (laughs) <laughs> that can't possibly have existed <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is fake news this is a hoax <laughs> this is definitely a hoax so like it is possible that her head is not a horse proportion I refuse to believe that Saphira's proportion like this monstrosity <laughs> <laughs> but you could redo the math <laughs> oh based on Hatsugopterics for next time <laughs> alright I had a hell of a time trying to find a reference for, like, the proportion of an Ichi skull compared to its estimated wingspan. Oh, Yeah. I can't believe you did find one. I think it's uh, pretty guesstimated, but, okay. I mean, my whole math was guesstimated, so, like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and Yichi would have been, like, a glider. Like, it didn't have powered yeah. flight. So... Yeah, so Saphira's wings... Are probably not as long, right? Because gliders tend to have really big wings. I think so. That's true of bats and seabirds. Yeah. So I assume it's also true of dinosaurs true. and dragons. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So her wingspan might not be that big, but also she has to heft around her two point five giraffes worth of solid <laughs> bone, extremely yeah. muscled body. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, anyway, where were we yeah. before I <laughs> went on a? I mean, I think we were about to talk about the second chapter. <laughs> oh, perfect! Let's we do, do that this every time because <laughs> we've been recording for an hour, so we better oh, no. t- talk about the second one. I mean, the majority of the chapter is Aragon healing the girl. You know? Yeah, he heals Safira, and then he heals the elf. Yeah, I mean, the while we're talking about Safira anatomy. At least mm-hmm. this chapter did confirm that her wing is like a limb because yes. it says, oh, yeah, there was an in- an arrow embedded in her flying arm. So yes. 
it is just an arm. <laughs> it's just an arm with a thin membrane. Yeah. I'm curious to see, because um, I might have missed it, but I don't think he explicitly says that he, like, fills the holes in her wing where the arrows have been shot through. And, like, I'm going to assume that they are able to heal over and presumably scar. Yeah. But she also is missing a chunk from the trailing edge of her left wing now. Like, she gets three arrows through her wing, one through the trailing edge, and one into the muscle. Yeah. I guess I'm interested in that that trailing edge thing specifically because I am a whale biologist, and a lot of whales are identified individually by nicks in the trailing edge of either their dorsal fin or their caudal fins, their tail. Uh-huh. Um, so they can heal, like, whales... Maybe also dragons, but whales can heal like injuries to their skin with scars, but they can't heal injuries to like cartilage or edges of things and like fill in those gaps. Oh, this is just kind of a long way for me to say. I'm curious <laughs> to see if it comes up that Safira is going to have a ragged edge to her wing in the future. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get the sense that when healing with magic, it goes away. Just like, yeah, as though it didn't happen. Yeah. That's what I assumed as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think this one specifically stuck with me because a hole to me is like smaller and more easily filled in than like a missing chunk of body. Yeah. But again, I'm probably reading too much into it as we do on this podcast. (laughs) As is the goal. (laughs) Yeah. I was mostly worried that like, I was like, wow, that's a problem because I know with bat wings, if they get damage to the membrane it can like tear more you know because yeah. it's like stretched so tightly that it's like oh <laughs> but then it was like oh aragon healed it and i was like okay yeah i guess that tracks <laughs> yeah and she didn't have to fly that far with yeah. those injuries which is good anyway while aragon pulls out the arrow that's in her muscle he like tells her to brace herself and asks Murtag to hold her wing down and Safira embracing herself rips up an entire tree and holds it in her jaws like a <laughs> I laughed. Yeah, like a period show man with like a leather strip in his mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also I was like, how would she have known to do that? <laughs> right? Yeah. And also like why? <laughs> why? Why? Why though? I guess to stop herself from roaring. Yeah, but she like she hasn't shown herself to be outwardly vocal, and that wouldn't stop her from like screaming in Aragon's head. That's true. I thought it was to stop her biting either of them. Yeah, oh, I was wondering maybe that, that too. Like we talked in one of the previous episodes about how she has like teeth as sharp as a magic sword that might fit into like sockets in her jaw or like line up with her other teeth, and like maybe if she clenches her jaw too hard, she could hurt herself she could hurt with herself. her teeth. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, she uh, twitches when Aragon pulls the arrow out hard enough to hit Murtag in the chin and knock him yeah. over, which is yeah. kind of funny. Which is a good time. <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, what a good time. Poor Murtag. Just I getting know. beat up. <laughs> yeah. I think this was the first time in a chapter that anyone speaks directly to Safira. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because Murtag, like, is talking to Aragon with Saphira standing right there. And he's just like, yeah, it was great. She helped me do. And then he's like, sorry, you were the only reason we could do this. And it was like, oh, wow. Right? That's so <laughs> Someone <respectful. laughs> not even Brom did that. 
Yeah, no, I really liked that. It, yeah. I mean, we know that I already came into this with a positive yeah. bias towards Murtag from when I was sure. 12 or whatever. But this definitely, like, made him go up in my estimation. Like, he's treating her like a person and not just, like, an animal. Which is, yep. again, like you said, more than anyone else has done. Yeah, because it's like, when you have a character that can't speak except through someone else... Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you see this kind of thing happen where people talk to the person that she talks through and not yeah. to the person who, yeah. yeah. So I liked it. I was like, wow, Murtag, proud of you. <laughs> yeah, right? A good moment. And this elf is super fucked up. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. Again with the, like, brutal torture imagery. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Awful. She's been like tortured to the brink of death numerous times or something like that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wild. She's like covered in burns and scabs and she's been branded. Yeah. Just... Bruises. Ugh. Cuts. Yeah. Real rough. And of course, Real while rough. Aragon is like, oh man, I gotta heal this elf, he's like slowly, you know, trying to like respectfully take off her shirt and heal her yeah. gruesome torturous wounds and as he's doing this and he's like exhausted doing all of this magic and he's like damn but this elf is hot though that she's beautiful it was yeah. like she's unconscious and grievously injured and you're taking off her clothes and being like mm. dang though <laughs> so hot <laughs> god <laughs> I don't really have anything to say about that. I just don't like it. <laughs> yep, that's fair. Anyway, I'm going to change the topic to something that I do like, sort of, which is, sure. again, Christopher Pellini affirming that, like, Aragon and Murtag are such good bros and they're, like, such BFFs. Bros. They're, you know, such good friends will go into prison to try to rescue each other, etc. And, like, there's this line that's, like, really reaffirming their sense of brotherhood. It's like, I would love to see that... <laughs> I would love to see a scene of them, oh, like hanging out rather than just being told that they get along really well. It would be nice to see a scene of them hanging out and like getting along and talking about hunting or whatever, rather than just being told that it has happened. Yeah, because the line is like, "Wow, you risked your life to rescue me. I couldn't have escaped on my own." And then it was like, "It was more than that, though. There was a bond between them now, welded in the Brotherhood of Battle." And like that could have been replaced by like. You know, Murtag being like, we're in this together, you know, like. Yeah, it didn't have to be so explicit. He could have been a little more subtle with it. Yeah. Or just like, again, told it in a scene rather than in a piece of Aragon's internal monologue. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's a lot harder to write a scene that illustrates Murtag and Aragon are like extremely close now and have like reaffirmed their bond through this dramatic escape attempt. Yeah. I get that that's way harder, but it's also way more interesting to read. Yeah. I also guess they can't possibly risk us thinking they could be in love. I mean, <laughs> that already happened. Yeah, I, already, oh. I already went there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're not in love. They're clearly they're only in love. best friends. <laughs> they're they're, they're brothers. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Spoiler alert. The other fun thing about this chapter is I guess so the implication here I don't know that this has been specifically implied elsewhere but that the Urgles are a race endemic to this land yeah I think we've talked about that before 
Yeah, yeah but like I went to the inheritance wiki. Oh my god. So <laughs> I just wanted I just wanted to confirm if they were like what is it? In like Lord of the Rings, they were made, right? By Yeah. Saruman, I think. Saruman. Saruman made the Urukai. Right. Okay. What? And Sauron. I don't know made... what the difference is between Sauron and Saruman or Orcs and Urukai, so this is nonsensical to me. <laughs> Urukai are the ones who are like meats back on the menu. <laughs> They're half human, half orc, and orcs are like just orcs. Do you remember that scene with all the mud and them no. coming out of it? Oh, yes. Yeah, those are urukai. Yeah. So, is the mud the human or the orc? Great question. It's the womb. <laughs> the womb it's the of womb. the orc. And it's the I, womb well, of the world. I assume it's assumed. I think that Saruman used magic to yeah. do the cross but i'd have to look that up to confirm it i don't really want to know yeah <laughs> actually now that you I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna look it up right now but um just in case someone wants to like cancel me on my lord of the rings knowledge i'm not 100 yeah. percent sure on that yeah just qualify it and then you can't be canceled exactly no that's how it works yeah, because, like, the line here is just, like, when they're talking about, oh, Galbatorix can maybe twist it so that it makes it sound like the Varden and the elves are the bad guys. And mm-hmm. he and the Urgles are just trying to, like, the Urgles have been misunderstood this whole time. And yes. I'm just like, yeah, that's, with the orcs, you get the sense that, like, they were made just to do this. Yeah. And it's like, what were the Urgles doing before, you know, humans and elves came to... Allegasia. Yeah. Do they have pounds? <laughs> I thought that was a really interesting line. Again, this is a spoiler for later books in the series, saying that the Urgles have been misunderstood all this time. Because I'm pretty sure that is literally the case. Um, yeah. I feel like in one of the later books, Aragon meets Urgles and learns about their culture and their language and their society. And they have all of that. They're not like they're not orcs. They're not like manufactured to be weapons they're just like a people yeah who have different cultural norms than humans yeah and it would make sense that the only ones that like the average human would interact with would be ones who are like outside of any herbal town or wherever they live you know yeah when if they're specifically amassing in an army it would specifically be the ergol warriors right like if you're collecting an army you wouldn't have the women and the children too. <laughs> yeah, you would just yeah. have whoever the warriors are. I'm assuming that the warriors are all men because as uh, uh-huh. the 15 year old. Um, uh-huh. But maybe I'll be proven wrong. I don't remember that much. Yeah, and I, I don't. I guess we might not see it in this book, but it would be cool to know more about. Yeah, you know the dwarves and the urgles instead yeah. of the two people who colonized <laughs> Alagasia. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> it is interesting that. Aragon has to be told that like a narrative of yeah <laughs> colonizers coming in and displacing the native people would be compelling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Huh. Imagine. Imagine that. The other thing about here this is that Aragon's like shocked that Galbatorix would release Urgles upon the populace. Yeah. He's like, how could the king commit such an atrocity on his own subjects? And it's like, is Galvatorx not universally understood to be evil? Uh I don't think so. We've talked about it before about how, like, there are so many stories about Galvatorx being evil Mm -hmm. that should have been scrubbed 
from the mm-hmm. public knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he's been ruling for a hundred years or whatever, you know? <laughs> he should have much better propaganda in place. Like, Aragon yeah. should, at this point, still probably believe that Galbatorix is a good ruler. Yeah. Or, like, he had to take over because the riders had become, you know, yeah. corrupted. Whatever. Yeah, yeah the riders were, like, or... arrogant and corrupt and abusing yeah. their power. So, like, someone had to overthrow them. Like, yeah. he should not have a single thought that the riders were good. Yeah, right? right? Yeah. Until Brahm starts having to, like, convince him otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. That's just one of my thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I did like this is similar to when Aragon buried and mourned Brahm for what seemed like a long time, but really was probably (laughs) just, like, an hour or two. Yeah. When they they specifically stop because they're all exhausted and need to sleep. They stop at dawn. Aragon spends the morning healing the elf. None of them sleep, and then they start going again. Perfect sense. I was like, makes perfect <laughs> sense. I was like, wait, because I was thinking like, oh, they specifically mentioned they need to sleep. Like that makes sense. I bet you know they're gonna stop, make camp. I guess Aragon's gonna heal this elf, and then they'll sleep fitfully in the camp until yeah. the moon rises or whatever. Yeah, but no, no, it's they make a camp. Aragon heals the elf, and then they leave before anybody can sleep. Yeah, because like I don't think Murtag slept either, right? No, Murtag was like providing helping. food and bandages, and yeah, helping. Yeah, as Murtag does, like all he does is help Aragon, and Aragon just like, <laughs> yeah, like wow, great. <laughs> so glad I like, have this good now, buddy. Now we're best friends. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I think that's all we have to say about the chapters. Yes. Yeah, I could go on, but I don't think yeah, that's necessary. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Turns out we already had a lot to say. Um, but yeah, let's guess what happened. Happened. Ooh, yeah. What will happen in the future <laughs> in the next two chapters. The next two chapters are called Water from Sand and the Rammer River. Huh. Water from Sand? It's going to do yeah. some Jesus shit. Yeah. Some Jesus shit for sure. <laughs> All I can think of is the grain of salt. I know. <laughs> or grain of salt, grain of sand and torturing. And I'm like, yeah. And then I'm like, can you get, can you turn sand to water? But then I was like, yeah, I don't think so. I don't and then, know. Do you think they go to the desert? They maybe? must be going to the desert. Oh, and then they like somehow pull water up from the ground or something or trapped water. Maybe the elf wakes up and pulls water out of the earth mm. or something. Maybe. Maybe. I'd buy that. Yeah, you can't transmute sand no. into water because sand is typically silica and silica does not have hydrogen in it. So even if you no. could like break the molecule, you would get silica. Okay, <laughs> Silicon, rather. Magic, Hannah. I guess magic. with magic. Well, and Saphira is a nuclear reactor, so maybe she can... <laughs> Convert oh the sil- <laughs> she can convert the silicon into hydrogen yeah. and then make water. So maybe. Yeah. So I think that's what's going to happen. Yes, 100% what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, what was the other chapter called again? Sorry. The Rammer River, which is, I think, a name. So I'm guessing they're going to wherever the Rammer River is. Yeah, they're just going to yeah. go there. Usually that's what those chapter titles entail. Yeah, I yeah. can't find it on the map, so... Oh. Although, I've noticed the map in some places just says river. 
Oh. <laughs> That's like, really helpful. Maybe so it helpful. means, because it says river coming out of the woe dark lake. So maybe uh-huh. it means that it's the woe dark river. Oh, maybe. Anyway, very confusing map. I don't know where the Rammer River is, though. It's interesting that they might need to make water from sand and then immediately go to a river. Yeah. It's probably just going to be one of those, like, fast track travels where, like, yeah, they, he skips, like, two weeks or all of a sudden in the desert oh. and, like, dehydrated. And then yeah, probably. another three weeks they figure out how to do it and then they're at a river or something like that. Yeah. It appears that there's only one river between Gilead and the desert, if we assume yeah. that's where they're going because of the sand. But then the river would come before the desert, so yeah. never mind. So, exactly. <laughs> so I guess maybe they do something in between Gilead and the river. I think whatever it is, it has to do with the elf waking up, right? The elf has it's to wake up in the next chapter, I think. Yeah. Yeah. She's been unconscious for so long. I'm surprised she's so not long. dead. Yeah. Like, even just of dehydration. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, let's talk about what else we've been reading. It's been a while since we recorded. (laughs) But I finished all of the Percy Jackson books. Oh my god. They're so good, you guys. They are really (sighs) good. Man, House of Hades is so good. It's like my favorite. It's top ten books, for sure. Wow. It's so good. Anyway. Such a good series. And then I also read another great book called The Last Days of the Dinosaurs, which is a nonfiction about the day that the asteroid hit at the KPG, I guess, extinction Mm -hmm. that killed all the dinosaurs. And the book is, it's so cool because you always hear like, oh, and the asteroid hit and they were all dead. But the book is set almost like a narrative the day the asteroid hits and then what happens after it hits and then it does like or a month a year a hundred years oh a thousand years a million years and it's really cool it's a really cool setup to a book yeah it's really good who wrote that riley black okay let me just add that to my tbr (laughs) yeah she's amazing i've read some of her other books and honestly it's the only nonfiction book that I've picked up and like haven't been able to put down, Dang. you know, because <laughs> it's that's, so yeah. it's like very narrative. Anyway, so that's I mean I also read Every Heart a Doorway, which uh, surprised me, <laughs> but it was good. <laughs> but it was much more gory than I thought it would be. <laughs> oh, that's all I've read. That's all I've read. I say about ten books of. <laughs> I was gonna say the Percy Jackson books alone. I I read seven books. <laughs> But all of those were audiobooks that were, like, between 10 and 13 hours. So I could basically, like, finish them in a day and a half of work. So I'm just going to say what I'm currently reading, which is We Hunt the Flame by... Mm. I'm going to I'm gonna butcher this. Hafaz Faziel, I think, is how you say it. Anyways, it's a YA fantasy. Wow. And... That. And then I'm reading uh, The Vicant Who Loved Me, which is Bridgerton number two. And I think the last time you heard from me, I was reading Bridgerton number one. So this makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah? Exciting. Me. Um, I haven't read as many books as the other two, but I did read several. 
The highlights were Bitter by Akwaiki Amazie, who also wrote Pet, which I believe I mentioned at some point last year. And I also listened to The Love Hypothesis by Ali Hazelwood, which is one of Sam's favorite books. Yeah. And it was pretty cute. Yay! Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed myself. Yeah. But this episode comes out in July. So Sam, why don't you tell us what we're going to be reading in July for the Midlight Book Club? We're reading my pick for July because it's my birthday month and we're going to be reading Throne of Glass by Sarah J. Mass because I want Hannah to read it and Hannah is a completionist <laughs> and the only way that she'll read the whole series is if I make her. So that's why we're reading <laughs> Throne of Glass. <laughs> yeah! I'm sure I won't mind it. I will probably like it, but I don't really want to read it. <laughs> yeah! That's the which spirit. Is why, which is why Sam's making me do it. <laughs> yep! I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I will, I'm not gonna. I could go on, but I think I think Hannah's gonna really like it because there's a big found family vibe in it, and it's a bunch oh, no. of tortured souls who've lost all their oh, family. No. So like, oh man, that does sound like me. It well, sounds no, like sorry, you, that Hannah. sounds like what I like to read. <laughs> that <I'm>... sounds like <laughs> you. <laughs> so yeah, that's what we're reading in July. Come read along with us because it's gonna be fun. Woo! It's gonna be fun. I'm sure. I will grudgingly love this book. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) If you liked this chapter of Midlight Crisis and want to read along with our book club, uh, consider rating and reviewing us on Spotify or your podcatcher of choice. You can talk to us and find fun-related content on social media. We are at Midlight Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and all chapters of the show thus far are available on our website, midlightpod.podbean.com, and on YouTube. And for us, anytime we read a teen protagonist, (laughs) I would have expected something more subtle from you, but I suppose that's all you're capable of. (laughs) (laughs) Teens. Teens. Teens.